Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And we're super... Oh, did you hear me fumble over my words like right away? I did. We are. (laughs) We are super excited to be here. Today, we're just going to sit down and we're going to have a chat about the best book that we read last year. Our favorite book of 2020, and I'm pretty excited. What about you, Julia? I'm excited, though I feel like I I should clarify at least my favorite was like during the quarantine period. Sure. Because I read a lot of books in 2020 that I didn't consider. I just waited until like... So only starting from March, January and February don't count. No, not at all. Her real favorite somewhere in there. (laughs) I don't know about that, but... But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. So I feel Me like Me too. I feel like the books we're about to talk about, we've actually like sort of talked about already in episodes. And yes. so I'm excited to like actually delve into it. Me too. I'm really excited. I feel like they are some crowd favorites. They are. I agree with you there. I definitely do. Um, so I'm excited to start chatting about them. So Julia, how about we just delve right in? Okay. Sounds good. What was your favorite your favorite Corin read? My favorite Corin read was The Ten Thousand Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow, which Yay! Yeah, I was so excited. You know I love that book. <laughs> I know. We've talked about it. Yes. <laughs> Well, for all of our listeners out there, can you give a little synopsis? Um, how about I do you one better and just oh. read the summary that's on the inside of the book? Because once again, I did not want to make one myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, read away then, Julia. Perfect. Thank you. When one enters a door, one must be brave enough to see the other side. In a sprawling mansion filled with peculiar treasures, January Scholar is a curiosity herself. As the ward of the wealthy Mr. Locke, she feels little different from the artifacts that decorate the halls, carefully maintained, largely ignored, and utterly out of place. Then she finds a strange book, a book that carries the scent of other worlds and tells a tale of secret doors of love, adventure, and danger. Each page turn reveals impossible truths about the world, and January discovers a story increasingly entwined with her own. Nice. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Sorry. I was. I felt like I was waiting for um, a suspenseful drop-off, but... Yeah, I kind <laughs> of made it good. sound like that. So. <laughs> That's my bad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's so good. But, but like the summary isn't the reason I picked up the book initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked it up at Barnes and Noble because the cover is gorgeous. It is beautiful. I think I mentioned this in like our first episode, but it's like the most gorgeous cover known to man. Honestly, it is. And I would be really disappointed if it was a terrible book. Yes, <laughs> but me the too. cover is gorgeous and the inside is gorgeous too. Yes, it is. It really is. And it really matches, I think, the, um, I don't know, like the essence of the book. It does. Yeah. there. It's a very, when I was trying to think of book recommendations, if people haven't or have read this one and want other ones, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I match the essence of this book with another book that I've read? And honestly, like, it's so hard. Well, stay tuned. We'll see. We'll see what you have. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, do you have any fun facts about the author, Alex E. Harrow? I do have a fun fact. (gasps) Okay. And it has to do with us. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. So Alex E. Harrow liked one of our Instagram posts that we made on April 12th because we tagged her in the photo. It was the Monday recap for our very first episode, and we talked about 10,000 Doors, The Starless Sea, and The Night Circus, which is, like, what the photo was. And she liked it because we tagged her in it, and so that's a fun I fact. felt so famous. I did, too. Oh, my gosh. I moment. was, like, pacing around the house full of, like, excited energy. Alexi Harrow liked our photo? I know. Liked a photo I took in my home where I live? <laughs> 
<laughs> she seems really fun. Yeah, um, she does. Yeah, like a side fact, I guess, is she refers to her children as like feral. And so I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> Second fun fact. She has another book coming out, doesn't she? Or it is out or it's coming out. I don't know. I didn't research a whole ton because I was like, oh, the fun fact is she liked our thing. Um, I was on her that website earlier and I don't remember seeing anything about her next book. Let me see. I'm going to quick see if I can find it. Do you know if it's to do with 10,000 Doors? No, I think she just has another book. It says another book came out in 2020, The Once and Future Witches, which I've never heard of. That before. sounds dope. Okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. Hmm. Whoa! Did you know The 10,000 Doors of January was received and nominated for awards, including the Hugo Award, Nebula Award, and World Fantasy Award for Best Novel? I did not know that. Ah, you're coming in with the fun facts. That's just Wikipedia, baby. (laughs) Okay, cool. I feel like I know so much about her now. Yeah. Um, So you said that you found this book in Barnes & Noble. You knew nothing about it beforehand. Was this the first time you saw the book? It was the first time I saw the book. I have a habit of just like wandering around Barnes and Noble. And I do have a tendency to like look at the new slash bestsellers that they have like right at the front, just because I'm always interested. I'm like, oh, what's just come out? And I think it was on that shelf. And I was like, oh, this is gorgeous. Yeah. And was just like, okay, well, I don't need to read any of this. I'll just pick it up because it looks right. really pretty. So I want this. I remember I saw the book when I like first moved to Chicago, I think I saw it in a bookstore and I wrote it down on my list of books that I wanted. And then for Christmas, I asked for that book, but then I got that book three times. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I own so many copies of the 10,000 Doors of January. That's amazing. That's happened to me before too, but do you want to know what books it was for? Yes. It's for the Twilight series. No, how many copies of Twilight do you own? The entire series. At that point, one, two, and three were out. And I'm pretty sure I got copies one, two, and three, three different times. Like my dad and stepmom had got it for me. And then my mom had got it for me. And then my my grandparents also did. Oh my. I had too many. Too many. Do you still own them all? I think I returned one set. Okay. And so I had two sets of the Twilight series. I don't know if I still do. Yeah. I Well, I have two sets of the Hunger Games books mm-hmm. that I purchased myself like a crazy person. Because you forgot that... Um, because I they were in the back of my bookshelf and I forgot that I own them. <laughs> and so I rebought them. But I don't want to get rid of them because I have one set in paperback and one set in hardcover. That's how I have the Harry Potter books, actually. I have, yeah. I have like four or five different copies of the first book and then two complete sets, one paperback and one hardcover. I feel like it's nice. I, I want to keep both sets. Yeah. Yeah. One's for the show shelf and one's for the personal one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, what made this book stand out for you in your quarantine reading? I really like fantasy stories that bring the essence, like the feeling that it did. I got lost in it. First reading it, it was like right when quarantine hit, I was stuck at home and just kind of like going through stuff and found this book. January is also going through stuff. She's figuring herself out and like finds all of these other worlds and like suddenly learns of like the magic that breaks in and out of her universe and so I was like oh my gosh I want to be January because like she lives on earth oh gosh what is the time frame give me a hot second I it's it's like a period fantasy yeah it's the early 1900s I'm pretty sure because she's a ward too and mm -hmm. that's like not common anymore (laughs) no it's definitely not (laughs) (laughs) having like the dichotomy of the fantasy worlds that aren't fantasy like they're real worlds that she can step into Mm -hmm. versus you know earth in the 1900s where it's all about rich white people and having to deal with not being rich and not being white yeah was really a 
quite a draw for me, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. She also, it's been a while. This was one of the first books I read in 2020. So it's been a second since I've read it. A lot of the worlds that she's able to step into, like through these doors, a lot of them are based on like mythology. But I don't think it's like completely stated that they're like right. mythological worlds. Um, no, it's it's not talked about, but it feels like rooted in other stories. Yes, I definitely yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite line or section you'd like to share? I do. It's like one of my favorite questions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I had to go through, again, all of my highlights, mm-hmm. and there actually weren't that many in this book. And it's not, it's not at all because I didn't like it. It's because like, if I started highlighting a certain part, I would just have to keep highlighting. So I had to like (laughs) narrow it down. Yeah. Um, and so the one that I picked is actually a high, I highlighted one of the footnotes that is in the book within this book, the book that January finds. We get to read this book with her. And this book itself has footnotes in it, which I used to think footnotes were the most annoying thing, but now they're great. So I love them now. Yeah. I agree. Right. Um, so here it is. It's footnote number six. And it says, there is, of course, no such thing as a fallen woman unless we are speaking of a woman who recently tripped on the stairs. <laughs> And it just keeps going. It's one of the most difficult elements of this world is the way its social rules are simultaneously rigid and arbitrary. It is impermissible to engage in physical love before binding legal marriage, unless one is a young man of means. Men must be bold and assertive, but only if they are light-skinned. Any persons may fall in love regardless of station, but... Only if one is a woman and the other a man. I urge you not to navigate your own life by such faulty borders, my dear. There are, after all, other worlds. Oh, love that. I know. I was just like, oh, what a cool little footnote. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and like read the footnotes because I was such... I don't know. I was kind of uppity about books, I feel like, in high school. And I would be like, footnote, I don't need that. I understand what's going on. <laughs> but most of the time, it's actually just like a quippy comment. They it's really very, are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not usually like talking down to you. But I'd be like, hey, I, I know what's happening in this book. Right. I don't need a footnote. My issue with footnotes was I don't like footnotes that go across three or four pages. Because then I have to, like, read all of those footnotes before I can get back to the story part. And that just annoys the crap out of me. But this one only took two. And it was, like, the two that were right next to each other. That were on the same page, Yeah, basically. Yeah, I hear you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, do you have a favorite character? I mean... This is tough. This is always a tough Mm -hmm. question as I'm like floundering because I wrote these questions (laughs) down and then didn't think about the answers. We write the questions and then we're still like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, good question. (laughs) Thank you for asking. (laughs) I like seeing January's growth throughout Mm -hmm. the book. I don't know if I would say that she's my favorite character, but I do love this book is in first person and so I love being on that journey with her yeah I think my favorite character might be either Jane who is sent to live with her um by her father who travels everywhere or her father yes that's those were who I would say too I can remember um she's essentially like a badass governess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her. She's like, oh my gosh, yeah. getting Jane's story later in the book. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot that she had husbands and wives. Yeah. I'm just like, hell yeah, Jane. And she's like a warrior. Yeah. She's super tough. That was like a really fun thing to learn about. I really liked how every character I felt grew and revealed themselves a little bit more as the story went on. It wasn't just January. Felt like every character really had a moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself in your favorite character or no? Well, of course, I'm a badass with husbands and wives. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, Julia. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't mean to insult you. No, no, no. It's fine. No, I would probably actually see myself. I would love to be January's father. Like, mm-hmm. as as sad as he is portrayed through January's eyes, he is searching the world to find his way back to his true love, back to his home world, because he's not even from the Earth that like January is living in. And as he's doing it, he gets to travel, he gets to see new places. The downfall of that is like working for Mr. Locke. He has to basically be an E these worlds and send these goods to him. But I think that it would be a really interesting job to have. Yeah, definitely. I and, agree with and you. And he's a very scholarly person. He reads all the time. And he's very he, smart. Yeah, he likes to write. And so I would probably... If I were one of the characters, I would probably be the dad. Do you have a least favorite character? (laughs) 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 Oh, the fake laughs and then the real one. Um, Yes. I dislike Mr. Locke. Yeah, he's the worst. He is the worst. He There's so many spoilers that you find out that I'm not going to talk about. He's basically the epitome of narcissistic gaslighting father figure trying yeah. to control your life, but making you feel like it's your fault that you're not living up to his incredibly high and unrealistic expectations. Absolutely. He is very pompous mm-hmm. and... And pretty racist. Oh, incredible. And pretty much the worst. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need to know for now. Yeah. Pick up the book if you want to find out oh, more. Oh, man. <laughs> would you say that he's the bad guy of the book? Yeah, I would. There, there are a couple of bad guys, but I think he is the main bad guy. Yeah, I would agree. I'm he's the one levels. that sticks out for me. Just because he is like the antagonist of the plot and like emotionally mm-hmm. the antagonist of my soul. Yes. And January soul. <laughs> right? I get, I was, I'm so excited when January goes on the journey. She does. <laughs> Me too. Me too. You guys, you need to read this book. Also, please. January has like a really cute dog. Yeah. And his name is Sinbad. I love it. I love it. This is one of like, I don't know if it's a trope. I don't think it's a trope. But when the hero gets a pet, I'm like, yes. Well, that's like Disney princess. Is like, yeah, the animal sidekick. Yeah, Maybe that's where it like stems from for me. Is is once you have the hero, and then when they get an animal friend, oh, we're in for it now. Watch out, Here world. We go. <laughs> yep. I do. I love it. Is this book? I know it currently isn't a movie or TV show, but is it going to be? I feel like I saw at some point that it, it was in the works. I could just be making this up. I think it would be a really cool TV show, though. I agree. That would be dope. Let me see. I am not seeing anything about it being a movie. Oh, nope. Okay. Well, I, I mean, can't tell. It, it could have the rights for a movie already on That's the table, but no yeah. one's picked it up yet. That's always generally a possibility with all books. So yeah, absolutely. This would be a it would be a very good. I hope they do like a TV show for it because I think it would lend itself better to a TV show than mm-hmm. a movie. I just but. imagine, uh gosh, Pirates of the Caribbean three, where like Elizabeth is on the dunes and Will is on a boat and just that magical moment across the sea. Oh, yeah. Like I just I need that i need that in tv show form <laughs> for this book. i hope that happens for you julia <laughs> thank you okay if you could bring something from the book into your world what would it be and why Ooh, probably the ability to make doors yeah are you mm-hmm. kidding me mm-hmm. yeah, i was talking to like a little bit about this earlier just in being frustrated that we can't see magic happening here on earth and i think doors would be great i do i think about this a lot where i read a book and the world is just so magical and cool and i think why does that not happen here Mm -hmm. why do i not have these opportunities so frustrating (laughs) yes it does i have talked to my therapist about this (laughs) julia's livid but Um, but seriously it is frustrating this is why you have people who write themselves acceptance letters to hogwarts because they're literally going insane Mm -hmm. here on earth i'm not one of those people but i would definitely write it for someone else like i would i would create a letter i would do that too Ooh, sidebar if you had to pick a magical world which one would you pick 
Probably. I mean, I imagine it would change. Like initially it was definitely Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. now I think I would probably pick something. Good gracious. What is the name? I talked about this. A Gathering of Shadows. The V.E. Schwab book. I'm going to... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I loved it and just can never remember the name of it. But that one's really cool. And if I lived in that universe, I would probably want to live in Red London because that one seems the most magical. Hmm, I'll have to read it and let you know. There are like four different layers of Londons. Ooh. Yeah. And only, only certain people can like access all four of them. And like that would probably... I didn't write that on my recommendation list, but that one's very similar in like using a doorway to get to another place. Ooh, that sounds very interesting. It is incredibly interesting. Well, Julia, Julia. (laughs) Yes. Obviously, we're a no spoiler zone when it comes to the end of the book. But how did you feel about the ending? Did you like it? Dislike it? I loved the ending. Um, Me too. Yeah, it, it left it open to so many possibilities. The chapter before the as I believe there's an epilogue. There's I a chapter so. and then an epilogue. Mm-hmm. The epilogue's great, and then the last chapter is also great in terms of just like the first time I read this book. That chapter made me cry so hard, yeah. so hard. I was just like, oh my gosh, a mess at the end of it, and I was expecting it this time, and so I was less of a mess, but still. I love the ending of that book. I felt like when I read the end, it all came together for me about how this book was really just the hero's journey and a coming-of-age story, Mm -hmm. but set in, like, this really cool fantasy world. But then it, like, also brings you into it at the very end. It made me wish that doors were a real thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like this is a perfect segue into the next question. Yeah. How did this book make you feel while you were reading it? Ah, wistful. (laughs) Wistful! (laughs) Julia! (laughs) Like, I just, I just, as, as awful as some of the stuff she went through, the idea that she was learning more about herself and being able to use magic to travel through all of these doors to see all of these different things makes me want to sit and just think about existence for a very long time. I love that. Mm -hmm. Which makes finding book recommendations incredibly hard. I believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe that very much. But I do want to know, Julia, what books are you going to recommend? I imagine people are sick of me recommending this, but I'm gonna do. Oh no! I'm gonna. What are you recommending? (laughs) The Starless Sea. Well, if I recommend Ten Thousand Doors for the Night Circus, and you recommended Starless Sea for the Night Circus, I feel like it's just coming full circle. It is full circle, but I did feel like I had to branch out a little bit and not only tell people to read The Starless Sea every single episode. That we do. (laughs) If you have read The Starless Sea and you have read 10,000 Doors of January, I thought the next best one outside of the V.E. Schwab ones that I talked about earlier that didn't actually make the list but are now, Outlander. Outlander. I have never read those books, but that is definitely a world I want to dive into. Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed with Scotland before reading Outlander, but it just exacerbated it to... An incredible degree because, I mean, she travels through a semi-doorway to get to a new place. That is awesome. And those books are huge. They are huge. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you would be starting a journey. I think that's why I haven't done it yet because aren't there like eight books? Yeah, there's a ton of them. I haven't even finished all of them. I think I, I was reading them on tour and I got through the first four physically and then mm-hmm. I think I got halfway through book six and then I had to stop just because like it just it just keeps going. Like this world is so big. And it was just, I had to pause and then haven't picked it back up since then. That makes sense. But it's definitely on my list. So one day I'm going to read those books. It's worth it. Have you watched the show at all? I have not because I really want to read the books. (laughs) I want to read them first. I, I really struggle when I watch something first, then that's all that I think of. It's like an easier transition for me to go from book to TV show or movie than it is from movie to book. I would say I think that the 
They changed the theme song slightly every single season, but season one's theme song for Outlander gives me the same feeling that reading 10,000 Doors of January does. Wait a second. Is this it? Is this the song that gives you the feelings? I can't see it from what you're showing me. I'm going to play it. Oh, wait, I might have to unplug my headphones. <laughs> Sing me a song. Is this it? Well, that was about 10 seconds <laughs> of the wistful song, but I hope you guys all got the gist. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Um, so, little story time. When I unplugged my headphones so you could all hear that wonderful Outlander jingle, it appears that I did not plug them back in correctly. And so the entire second half of our episode was very echoey and unlistenable. So we're here to re-record. Woo! Part two. Um, part two. We're going to do this again. So we're just going to jump right back in and we'll we'll finish off Julia's segment. Julia, any last comments, thoughts on 10,000 Doors of January? So I really love the 10,000 Doors of January. I think, I mean, I talked about how it leaves a wistful feeling and it's a story about stories and traveling through doors and it it leaves you on a high note and it brings you an adventure. So I think if you're interested in that sort of thing, you should definitely check it out. Also, she That's has right. a new one that just came out, right? Yeah, we talked about that in the beginning of this episode. Oh, right. Many moons ago. Yes. And I have purchased it since then. Oh, okay. So I need so, to purchase it too. I'm excited to read it. All right. So let's uh, talk about your book, Maggie. What is your favorite quarantine read? My favorite quarantine read is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by uh, B.E. Schwab. Yes, I love I'm her. I'm actually, I'm like so shocked, Julia, that you didn't pick this book because you are such a V.E. Schwab fangirl. Well, this is true. <laughs> um, but I also knew that you were picking it. And that's true. Okay, that's fair. And so that's I thought fair. we should have some some comparing, not really comparing, contrast, just like two different favorites. It is in my, I think I read it like right at the end or beginning of 2021. And so I didn't really count it as much of the quarantine reads. Like I had already moved to California at this point, whereas uh, 10,000 Doors of January, I was still living in my mom's basement in Michigan. Yeah. That's totally fair. I understand why you had a different distinction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me, why is this your favorite quarantine read? This is my favorite quarantine read. I really, really enjoyed the book overall. And I would say I had been sort of in a schlump of reading kind of the same books. And this book was completely different. I've never read a story like this before. And it really stood out to me amongst everything else that I had been reading as this really beautiful fantasy and romance mm -hmm. novel. Yeah, it's it has a very distinctive tone to it. And it's so different than all of V.E. Schwab's other books, too. Like, yeah, I don't even when I went and bought a V.E. Schwab book at Barnes and Noble, I didn't realize that Ad she had also written Addie LaRue. I'd already read Addie LaRue at that point. And the bookseller was like, oh, this is the person that wrote Addie LaRue. And I was like, it is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I haven't read any of her other stuff, but I hear it is so different it from everything else. She's written. so good. It's so good. All of her stuff is very good. Also, I follow her obsessively on Instagram. I know. I love it. I love it for you. <laughs> I'm send frequently sending you things that she's saying in her I know, stories. all the time. I'm like, Julia, I follow her too. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to emphasize it. Um, all right. So how did you come across Addie LaRue? A lot of my friends were reading this book. I, it was like circulating really heavily on my Instagram. I was seeing everybody post about it. And I had a few friends reach out to me and say, like, you would love this book. You need to read this book. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And they were right. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I think I, I read it in two days. I spent the last half crying. I just oh love gosh. that book so I, much. Yeah, that book. The end made me cry so much. Not me like too. the end end, like the chapter before the end. It was end. like leading up to it. Yeah, it was like the last 50 pages mm -hmm. when I realized what was happening. 
I was like, oh no. <laughs> and there's just constant <laughs> tears right? slowly dripping down my face. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to read the synopsis from the publisher because since we have re-recorded, I can't find my original synopsis. Oh no. I'm really sorry, you guys. <laughs> I know. This is from the publisher. <laughs> France, 1714. In a moment of desperation, a young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. Thus begins the extraordinary life of Addie LaRue, and a dazzling adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a young woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after 300 years, Addie stumbles across a young man, Henry, in a hidden bookstore, and he is the only one to ever remember her name. So I thought that was a pretty decent synopsis. Yeah, that's pretty good. Publisher? I mean, I guess the publisher knows what they're doing. I would hope so. Anyway, so what is the section that you want to share from the book? So I have this one favorite line, and it stuck out to me both times I read this book. And I also thought it was very, very fitting because of our podcast and because of the romance she ends up having with Henry, the bookstore owner, who's the only one to remember her. Oh, Henry. And um, so the line is, Books she has found are a way to live a thousand lives or to find strength in a very long one. I love that line. That I think it's so really, nice. really beautiful. And I think, you know, I, I would say for the both of us, Julia, but for me especially, books are just such a way for me to explore and live a thousand lives in my one life. <laughs> so, yeah. Holy cow. I loved it. Yeah. I'm going to need to get that tattooed somewhere. Oh, yeah. Do it. It sounds like a good tattoo quote. It is a really good tattoo quote. (laughs) So would you say that Addie is your favorite character? I think so. I I also just love her so much. She's so strong and really fiery, um, especially Mm -hmm. for someone who could have really become quite depressed after making this bargain and realizes that even though she finally gets to leave her town and explore the world, she now has to suffer the consequences of never having a friendship or a relationship or even getting a job or an apartment Mm -hmm. because the minute someone isn't even looking at her face, they forget about her. I I really admire her strength and what she she's able to do to live the life that she did want for herself and everything she's able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I don't think I see myself in her. I think I would be more of a Henry. (laughs) I could see that. I wouldn't say more quiet, but a little... Henry seems a little more reserved than Addie He's a little bit more reserved than Addie and a little bit more... He has all of these dreams and everything that he wants, but he keeps wishing that they'll happen to him instead of going out and doing it for himself. Mm -hmm. And I think I do have more of a tendency to want so much, but it takes a lot for me to finally go for it. I could see that. I could see that. I mean, it's a really tough thing because when you're throwing yourself into... 100% what you want or what you're dreaming for. Like, there's a really big vulnerability with that. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, Addie has the the luck, I guess, in that she can throw herself out there. And then if it doesn't work, everyone's going to forget about it, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like a double edged sword. Like she's forgotten all of the time, but she can do all of the coolest things because she has one unlimited time and two, no one's going to remember that she messed it up in the first place. Exactly, exactly. But Henry doesn't have that luxury. He puts a lot of pressure on himself to make sure that the life he is leading is as worthwhile as possible. But I mm-hmm. think in the end, that sort of suffocates him because he, he wants it to be as great as it can possibly be. In terms of least favorite characters, obviously it's the cat, right? No, <laughs> it's not the cat. I know you disagree with me, Julia, but I hate the character of Luke. Lucifer, obviously he's the devil that Addie makes the bargain with. And I feel like there's, it's written so that a part of you will have this, I don't know, sort of pity on their relationship or like root for a relationship between the two of them. Yeah. But I just hate the way that he talks to her. I hate the way that he treats her. I understand the excitement. I know that in the end, he is just doing his job. He made a bargain and he's holding up his end of it. But I just think he really is a dick. I he's think like he- rude for no reason. 
I guess, but I think he was actually like legitimately into like wanting a loving relationship with Addie. We could see this kind, I kind of see this as like the Hades Persephone sort of antagonistic but loving relationship. That's kind of what I put on it personally. I can Um, see what you're saying, but I think that he needs to almost grow up a little bit if that's possible. For an but immortal he's a, being. He, he's a god, though, so he doesn't I really know, have to. He wants a loving relationship with her, but he's so controlling. He he won't like allow their relationship to just be. This is true. But I mean, he did help her out with Henry. Just saying. In the end, to get what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Fine. Okay. <laughs> We're at a neutral place here. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to move forward. (laughs) No, we are at a standstill, but that's fine. Um, If anyone else has any opinions liking Luke or not liking Luke, I'd be very interested to hear them. Yes, me too. Let us know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Are you team Maggie or team Julia on this? It's a fight to the death. (laughs) But but please don't. Like... We're not competing with each other. No, we don't care. (laughs) No, we just want to hear your opinions. So Luke is the bad guy. He's also the bad guy in it, right? Technically. I mean, he's definitely the antagonist. Even if you do admire him or like appreciate their relationship, he is the crux of the problem, right? He's like the inciting incident. He makes her life hard. And now we have this whole novel as to how she overcomes it. You're right. You're right. So- I don't – it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, and I legitimately I don't remember the answer <laughs> that you gave the first time. But is this turning into a movie? It is. It is going to be a movie. I'm really excited. I am usually on the mindset that books should be TV shows or miniseries. And even though this book is really long, I do think it will lend itself to a film very well. I agree, especially since it's like a standalone book. Yeah. Um, That also helps, I think. I think so, too. And I understand that a lot of details are going to be cut out from the book, but I think if they remain true to the themes and the feelings that Mm -hmm. Addie experiences, then we're going to be A-OK. So I'm pretty excited. No cast has been announced, so we'll see. So do you have a cast in mind for maybe the top three, Luke Henry and Addie? I definitely have thoughts for Luke, and I think it should be Jude Law. Okay. Um, Because I think he can play sort of like the anti-hero, the villain character that's Mm -hmm. also really good looking. So you you sort of root for him, but you sort of hate him. Is he too old, though? What? How old is he? He's getting old. So he is 48, but according to these Google images... He's still good looking. I mean, as young Dumbledore, yes, he is good looking. (laughs) But I feel like if you put him next to 20-year-olds, he's just going to look very aged. That's fair, but... I mean, I don't have another option. and I don't have another option. This is your casting choice. I'm just, you know... I think that's fair. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. They can do anything with makeup these days. That's true. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson in his younger looking days in Captain Marvel. That was pretty impressive. That's right. And I think he should look a little bit older than Addie and Henry. There should be a distinction. Yeah, but then... He can't look too much older because then it's like real weird. Yeah, not like that. But I would say he should have a, I don't know, like five, maybe 10 years. I could give it 10. Yeah. More than that, though, is, is weird. More than that, is, it crosses the line. Okay, so do I you agree. have anyone for Addie or Henry? I'm struggling with Henry because in my mind, he looks like Harry Styles, but I don't want him to be played mm. by Harry Styles. Okay, okay, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. Have you seen, oh gosh, a Harry Potter musical? Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. Um, what about floppy haired Darren Chris? I could, I could allow this. Yeah. Cause he wears the glasses and he has just like a mop on top of his head. And I think, I think that he could do it pretty well. Yeah. I agree with you. I like that. For Addie, I mean, that's really, really tough because she's such a, She's written as such a complex character, but then she's also written as like 
because she's ageless, her beauty surpasses time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you cast that? Well, I don't know if you need to go with the most beautiful. Yeah. She does need to have like an older face, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like one that can be dressed up or down in terms of age. One that comes to mind, and I don't even know how I would find her name because it's a girl that's on TikTok. But I haven't been on TikTok in a really long time. There's this girl. She has really big eyes and full lips and like long straight hair. And Mm -hmm. she's always talking. She's going to pop up next time I go on TikTok and I'm just going to not know who it is. Your phone's listening to you right right now. Please listen and tell me who it is. But if anyone can figure it out through that description, please let me know because now it's going to drive me crazy. I don't know who it is. I mean... First thoughts, I would say Florence Pugh, just because she would act the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. And also because she's fairly charming. She's incredible. And Addie needs to be charming. I also, Titanic Kate Winslet. Mm -hmm. If she was still that young, Mm -hmm. I would love Mm -hmm. young Kate Winslet to take on the role. But otherwise, I'm just not sure. Maybe Jennifer Lawrence, depending who's cast as Henry. Oh, yeah. Much to think about. None of these people will be cast, of course, in the movie, but... We don't know that. <laughs> if floppy-haired Darren Chris makes it in, I'm going to I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> I will be so shocked. Oh, my gosh. I would be amazed. And quite honestly, I would then take up the profession as a fortune teller, so... You should. Thank you. So, Maggie. Yes. If you could bring something from Addie LaRue into your world, what would it be? That's really tough because other than these sort of Faustian deals with the devil, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very realistic book. It's set it in the real world. Yes, it is. In fact, many things, because a majority of the book is set in New York City, and they go to a lot of the places that I actually went to when I lived there. No way! It was like really fun. Yeah, I thought that was really, really That's cool. That's so like, cool! I've been to that bookstore and I've been to that movie theater. So that was really fun. I'm not sure. I mean, I would like to go to Henry's bookstore. That would be fun. I think it would even be like a fun pop-up, like if the movie becomes really big. Oh, Like a little pop-up bookstore. Oh, that would be so cute. And I also really, really loved the color festival that they went to. I don't know if that's a real thing. I never went to that when I was in New York and I Hmm. thought that sounded really fun. You should look it up. But otherwise... Yeah, I'll definitely look it up. Yeah, it's a very realistic book other than the small fantastical elements. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard for me to say. (laughs) I mean, that's similar to 10,000 Doors, I think, in that aspect, is they both were set in on Earth in a time frame that has been on Earth. Yes. Yeah. With just fantastical elements in it. Yeah, it makes it hard to pick. It does. I don't really want the deals with the devil to be real. Kind of makes me feel nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that you would make a deal with the devil anyway. So I sure hope not. I would like to maybe meet someone that has, though. I would be interested oh. in hearing that. It'd be an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. I would want to know if they regret it or not. Yeah. How did the book make you feel? While you were reading it, if since it was like slightly fantastical, but also steeped in the real world. I loved that element of it. And V.E. Schwab, I felt, did such a great job of writing this beautiful poetry and prose mixed in with the book, which made it feel like it was both fantastical and realistic. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me sort of feel like Addie did suspend herself through time, almost. Like she yeah. was both 20 and 300 years old. Oh my gosh, yeah. I really loved that writing. And um, I I loved the way the book made me feel in general. I mean, it's so beautifully written. It's so long, but it feels so short. And it, I I really do think it's just this great book about love. Like, who do we love? What makes love worth it? I loved it. And I loved the ending. I thought the ending was both hopeful and a little bit vengeful, which I thought was great for Addie. It's like a perfect mix of her personality. (laughs) I thought it was very fitting. I I could see that. I didn't like the very end of it. You didn't? No, I didn't think it should have ended on a vengeful, slightly vengeful note. I didn't like that. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that, but I just thought it fit her character so well. 
I mean, it does, but like, I would have been really happy if it just ended with the Henry thing. Yeah. And not continued. I agree with you. It, it sort of feels like there's two endings. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And mm-hmm. I like the first one better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one is the one that made me weep. Same. And same. I literally sat for like 15, 20 minutes just weeping. I couldn't finish the book until I was done crying. Yeah. I I was a an absolute wreck. It is so beautiful. I love it so much. Yeah, I do understand what you're saying, but overall I did really I did really like it. Okay. All right. Do you remember what book you started reading after you finished this one? Did you I have read to The Night Circus? What? Oh my goodness. What? Yes. I tried to read The Night Circus every other year, sometimes every year if I'm really in the mood. And I didn't know what I could possibly read after The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue because it was so amazing and gave me so many ungodly feelings. Ah. Um, And I, I read it near the end of the year. And I don't like to finish my year on a disappointing book. And I don't like to finish my year not having finished a book. And I finished Addie LaRue like right before Christmas. And then I read The Night Circus. That's fair. Yeah. I actually don't remember what... Yeah, I don't really remember what I read after Addie LaRue because I also read it at like the end of the year. And I'm pretty sure I had to give it a few days before I could pick anything back up. There was so much I didn't realize that I had forgotten when I reread it for this episode. I forgot about the piano player and she meets him like every night at a bar for like two weeks and she teaches him a song on the piano every night for two weeks and it is so sad and so beautiful Mm -hmm. god her life is I mean I really do just admire how she's able to live her life she learned so much and she continues to just like love the people that she meets and be curious about the people that she meets, even mm-hmm. after being alive for 300 years. She yeah. makes the best of her situation. She really does. I, I love I, that. I agree with you there. I don't know that I would have lasted very long if I was in her shoes. Like, it's, I'm not sure I would either. Oh my gosh. It's such a terrible fear of mine to be forgotten by like everyone that I've met. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that, you know, a former touring di- touring actor director and you know I'm only in a town for a week and then I leave again and just like the thought that no one will remember me from that week is like scary heartbreaking. and heartbreaking but I mean I did it anyway but it's just that's like a terrible fear that I'll wake yeah. up and everyone will have forgotten me um I think that's a lot of people's fears yeah it's also why I think V.E. Schwab wrote this book I think so many people are afraid of like being forgotten or not leaving like a lasting mark. Yeah. She did a very good job on hitting on that and mm-hmm. and giving it the ending that she did. So what books would you recommend to someone who's already read Addie LaRue? So when I was reading Addie LaRue, I remember telling people that reading this book made me feel the same way I felt reading books in high school, like just devouring them, being so excited by everything that happened, sneaking the book under the table to read while I was like eating or doing my homework and just like constantly reading the book. And so I have to recommend, I I think the first one is The Clockwork Princess or Clockwork Angel. Okay. It is by Cassandra Clare. She is the person who wrote the Mortal Instruments series. Oh, okay. And this series, yeah. So the first one is Clockwork Princess. It's, oh no, I'm sorry. Clockwork Princess is the third one. Clockwork Angel is the first one. They're called the Infernal Devices. And I don't think it's necessary for you to read the main series. The Mortal Instruments is like six books. Oh, okay. I preferred this prequel series. I loved it so much more. Um, the Love Triangle was so much more real to me. Everything that happened was so much more exciting and fantastical to me personally. Might not be a very popular opinion, but the writing was so similar. The plots gave me like the same sort of feeling. This, oh, okay. The fantasy mixed with the realism. Mm-hmm. And I love that Clockwork Angel is like a period piece. 
And uh, I would say about a third of Addie LaRue is also a period piece because it takes place throughout her time yeah. um, in Paris in the 1700s. So that, that is the first thing that came to my mind. And I, I stand by that recommendation. I love that. That's that's pretty cool. That that seems like a recommendation that's kind of not one that someone would immediately go to, I don't think. Yeah. I don't so think that's so pretty cool. Either. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, right. Julia, I really just want to thank you so much for re-recording this episode with me. What a oh, journey yeah. this has no been. No problem. <laughs> um I'm glad I checked my phone. Otherwise, I would have still been working outside <laughs> and doing like stuff for camp. So uh, you guys, I was, I did not realize this until I was fully editing our episode to go out tomorrow. This ah! is the day before I procrastinated, shouldn't have done that. And then I was like freaking out. I took a stress shower <laughs> and now we're recording and I'm in my robe. So shout out to Julia for checking her phone in there for me. Yeah. Shout out to my phone. Just, you know, does your phone do this when you're listening to music and a notification comes in? It like dulls the music. Yes. Yeah, it does do that. Okay. So mine was doing that. So I think you sent me two texts within yeah. each other. And I was like, uh, I wonder who this is. And, and then walked over and checked my phone. Maybe like <laughs> 10, 15 me. minutes later. <laughs> Panicking. <laughs> right. Or like I have um, a group chat with my cousins on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when they get into like really long conversations, I just have to like mute stuff for a little while if I'm listening yeah. to music. Otherwise, I'm just not listening to music. It's That's right. going That's Sometimes in I have out. to do that too when the, the group chat goes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think we can finally say we heckin' did it, you guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard and want more content just like it, subscribe to our Patreon. We post videos of our books unbox book unboxings and <laughs> book hauls. Um, we are scratching book notes. There are no, no more, more book notes. Uh, and instead, we are replacing them with videos, which is super exciting. And each month, we have a super fun, extra special episode about the novel finds we're currently reading. We also still do our monthly Q&A sessions where we answer your questions. It's super fun ask us anything feel free to email us your questions at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com you can also submit your questions on our patreon and if you need even more bookish content in your life you can also follow us on instagram at novelfindspodcast our email patreon and instagram handle can be found in our bio again thank you guys so much for listening we will see you all in two weeks bye, bye.